Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover. All for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 5000 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 5000. Enjoy. Well, thank you for tuning into the GDA Radio Podcast. As always, as it has been for the last two years, the GDA Radio Podcast is proudly presented by Black Ada. Check out their wonderful tools at www.blackada.com. And also, as always, if you call the area code 920-455-5118, you can leave us a voicemail with any stories or any information that you want us to play on the air. The best ones get played on the air each and every episode. And that telephone number is also the number to call in whenever we are doing a live recording show. Ghost Forts, Haunted Woods, and Angels appearing at the foot of a bed. This is our yearly, annual Halloween episode. Are you ready? Let's do it up! Ladies and gentlemen, I want to go ahead and uh, welcome each and every single one of you to the Global Detection Adventures podcast. You know me, my name is Lance, and I'm one of the hosts, the founder of Global Detection Adventures, and sitting uh, somewhere out there in the middle of his favorite field, we got Dave Dino, Dina Telly, sitting out there. Hey, 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 what's up, guys? <laughs> hey, listen, yeah, we're out here in Green Bay, Wisconsin, overcast, a balmy 45 degrees. Uh, we're out here, me and Mike Counter, he's our other co-host from Global Detection Adventures, and we also have a couple GDA members with us. And let me tell you, it has been a fantastic day. No rain, no breeze, and we are digging some good finds. I got to tell you right now, the XP Days is, was kicking butt. I think overall it's kicking butt, but one of the GDA members found a bucket lister oh. that's gonna blow your mind that's fantastic but we'll put him on live later on when we come back yeah well we're gonna be checking in with you quite a bit uh dave and uh we're gonna find out exactly how it's going on out there or exactly how that field is i've been watching the videos of that field and i can see that you've gone from park hunting to field and relic hunting and i love it i, I think you see where the uh where the addiction comes into that Oh, yeah. Now, I'm so jaded now. I'm just going to stick to fields. from. I mean, I will do parks if, it, you know, if I get an invite. <laughs> but definitely just doing fields now with the XP, uh, digging everything that has a you know multiple tones to it. 
uh, just an amazing here. Just one target after the other. And every every hole is a surprise. Oh, that's fantastic. That's really good. Yeah, well, uh, Dave, I'm going to go ahead and let you go out and uh, keep swinging. Uh, we got our special co-host for the week. Uh, while Dave and Mike are out there in the fields digging up stuff and making me jealous since it's so rainy and wet over here, uh, I'm going to be sitting here in my uh, Black Atta studios in Schweinfurt, Germany, and I got a special guest. So, Dave, we'll talk to you in just a few minutes. Sounds good. All right, talk to you then. And currently uh, sitting in Holland, I believe it is, is uh, one of our new friends, uh, somebody that I really want to introduce you guys to. He's going to be co-hosting the show with me this week. His name is Captain Robert McDonald, world record holder of over 50 world records. That's Ahoy! <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on to the show, Captain Robert. We had uh, some issues at the beginning, but those have all worked out now, thank goodness. So... It can only get better. <laughs> <laughs> you should try to do this from a ship. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I could only imagine how that would I was be. typing with you earlier, you know, doing the typing internet stuff. You ever tried to do that from a rocking boat? Hey. No, <laughs> nope. nope, but if you got space for me, I'd be, I'd be more than happy to come join the crew. Hey, you can get on one of seven ships and just enjoy it. It's pure square sail galleons, the old style. Yeah. And speaking of that ship, uh, the ship is one of those things that is something that I want to talk to you quite a bit about today. Uh, sure. That ship is one of a kind, and uh, the story behind it is quite fantastic. And uh, we're going to be uh, getting into that here in just a little bit. So I want to give everybody a heads up. The telephones are off for today. Unfortunately, we're having some issues with our current provider, and um, the telephone provider has decided to go belly up on us, uh, to use some nautical terms, I guess, and um, they are not uh, helping us with the incoming calls. You can still call in and leave voicemail, but unfortunately, we can't bring you onto the show today. Uh, we're hoping we're, we're going to have this fixed by the next episode. It's not on us for the first time ever. It's not on me. So I am going to be happily uh, denying anything there. Uh, so, and then we got, uh, this is our special Halloween episode. And uh, so if any of you know what the Halloween episode is about, uh, we talk about stuff that is kind of otherworldly and uh, metal detecting as well. We got a lot of stories coming in. We got four uh, voicemails that came in today, and I'm going to be sharing them with you guys later on. And uh, one more just recently came in, so we're going to be listening to that one live together. So, uh, Captain uh, Robert, uh, one of the things that I really wanted to bring you in, we're going to be hitting on real soon, but right now what I want to do is I want to talk to you about uh, your ship. Um, now... Anybody who actually knows you, they know that this ship is one of a kind. But anybody that hasn't heard of you yet, um, this ship is made of over 4 million popsicles. Uh, no, 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 no. It's made of 15 million. 15 million popsicle sticks. That's right. Now, I'm hoping you're not the one that ate all those because you're pretty thin. You don't look like you have diabetes and you have all your teeth. So I'm pretty healthy. Huh? <laughs> so I don't think it was you. So No, no, no. Um, I do, as most people who know me from my past, all the world records I've done in my life, uh, which is I've done 50. I think I hold 30 at the moment. They're broken as fast as I break them nearly. Oh, wow. um, some I will hold forever and ever. 
but I do things for children in hospitals. I was burned up as a kid, and I lived in a hospital, so I decided to create a real-life living Superman who does superhuman feats, and that's where my world records came in. Oh, wow. Uh, about uh, seven years ago, eight years ago, me and five thousand Dutch and Belgian children decided to build a, a Viking ship, a full size ocean sailing Viking ship out of 15 million ice cream sticks and 10 and a half tons of glue. And it took us three years to complete the ship. And she sailed the oceans. Uh, at one time, she went nearly to Greenland, over to Scotland, all the way over to the UK, up the Thames was one of the attempts we did and uh we brought her back home <laughs> that is that is truly an amazing feat now you do like you say you, this was all for children's charities and right. um that's honestly i take my hat off to you i take tip my hat uh that's something that i try and do as well over here in germany i try to uh do things for the uh the children's homes um to raise awareness of homeless children and children that are unwanted and see if we can bring a little smile to them once a year for the Christmas time. Well, this is something I've been doing my entire life. I've always got a suitcase full of little stuffed animals, and I, I tour the hospitals just constantly. It's something I've done my entire life. That's true. Uh, the honorable. last 35 years anyway. That's a truly honorable feat. Now, the uh, as far as the superhuman uh, world records, uh, mm-hmm. what, are some of the, what are some of the ones that you actually hold? Uh, well, at the moment, one that's sealed up forever, I, I rocked in the Mariposa Pizza Factory in Oakhurst, California. That's in the middle of the mountains near Yosemite or just under Yosemite, right. a place called Mariposa, California. I was in the front window of the pizza factory where I rocked the chair two hours, 20 minutes short of 19 days, <laughs> where I absolutely smashed the rocking chair record, making me the world's number one rocker, of course. And that's where I've got a lot of my, I have quite a few rock and roll celebrity friends now. (laughs) (laughs) Now, that's 19 days nonstop. Was there sleep involved? So you had to physically be rocking that. Yeah, I I had two hours, 20 minutes uh, per day to take any kind of a rest or break or whatever the case may be. So so everything went on pause for two hours and 20 minutes, and then you just hopped right back on your chair, and then after 19 days, you... Were, that was it. Uh, <laughs> That's about it. Uh, I, I, I held the world record auto jump. I also built the world's largest delta kite known to man that flew. We used giant flagpoles, fiberglass f- flat, fl- uh, flagpoles that connected by a stainless steel pin, just like an ink pen does. They fit wow. together like the top of an ink pen does to a pin. And we created the masts that go across, and we made a quarter-mile by one-mile-long Delta kite that actually flew into the world book. That, that record, like the rocking chair record, if it can't be, if you break it to a point that it can never be competed, they seal it. And oh. they create new rules for new people in the future to continue with the same world records. That's truly but A lot of my world records, I didn't just break. I smashed them. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the way you got to do it. If you want to make sure that you're going to be the one in there forever and ever, you just got to smash it. So like you say, they seal it up. Now, I don't just make world records. The children do it. Now, the Delta Kite, they sewed on that thing for a year and a half until it was finished. Just sewing the Spinnaker Nylon constantly, day and night holidays, you name it. They just came in and sewed on these giant machines until we were done. I was simply the captain, the director. (laughs) (laughs) Same with the uh, Viking ship. 
Genesis, I think Genesis, Ripley's, believe it or not, everybody said it can't be done. And if it could be done, if you tried to lift it to put it in the water, it would break in half. And five years later, it's still around. Oh, so they were wrong in all directions. And so where is it currently sitting? Can people still go and take a look at it? It Unfortunately, it, uh, almost eight years after it was created, it broke in half oh. <laughs> on land. It, it took that long to break it in half. So, But it did have a great run. Yeah, it did. It truly did. It run. truly did. I, now I, I still sail tall ships, if you know what tall ships are. Oh, tall yeah. Schooners and there's only a handful of captains in the world that can do that. Yeah, that's. And I have a fleet of seven ships at my disposal through the sponsor. Wow, seven yeah. ships! I mean, you got a little flotilla. I mean, are they? That's all? it. <laughs> but I, I have, and that's the reason for my two groups. I, I, since I can remember, since I was a little boy, I adored metal detecting, and I've been doing it that long. Uh, since I was, I think, fourteen, I started metal detecting. So I created two groups because. You've got to understand me now. I'm weird. Yeah, <laughs> I join the group. a land treasure hunting group with all the land treasure hunters. But see, I sail ships, mm. and I also go underwater metal detecting. So I created uh, one's called Treasure Masters Metal Detecting. Yeah. And the other group I created, which really goes under the door, and that's called the Ghost Ship Hunters Treasure Quest. Wow. And that's a mixture of metal detecting and ghost hunting. And I, I think in America, I've been on 37 different television shows as a guest. I've been on countless television shows over here in Europe um, as a guest. Always the guest. You know how to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm that's just, probably the way to do it. That's probably the way. You, and, I know. The only way people can get me, and I do travel all over the world and just constantly, and the only way people can actually get me to their event or to their home or venue, whatever the case may be, is if they have both something metal detecting to do in the daytime and something really spooky to do at night, hey, I'm there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's... got to have both. That's my requirements. And, I mean, uh, anybody who actually knows me, they know that I actually had both as well. Um, I've done... Uh, both ghost hunting and I've done metal detecting. Obviously, that's my new my new hobby right now. Um, and actually, the one that's actually kind of kept me sane, I guess you could say, because metal detecting really helped me with my PTSD from um, uh, Iraq from 2003. But um, I used to go ghost hunting as well, and a lot of people don't realize that. I know quite a few people that are in the ghost hunting societies, uh, including uh, there was a TV show in the United States called uh, Ghost Hunters International. And both you oh, and I, I know them very well. <laughs> yeah, and both you and I, uh, we share a common friend from that show. That's Barry Fitzgerald. And, uh, right. Yeah, and so we've both had a pleasure of talking with him. Great guy. We're hoping that he's doing good out there. We've both kind of lost track with him, of him in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, guy vanished after a show. I don't know whatever happened with him. Yeah, I'm not sure either. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, so, um, now, one of the things, uh, this is Halloween, obviously. That's kind of the, the time when the veil is the closest between the afterlife and our world. And uh, one of the things that uh, we're obviously going to be talking about is uh, some ghost stories. Now, I've seen some photographs. Uh, there's a video of you on YouTube uh, when you're talking with one of your buddies. And he asked you, uh, where were you at? And you said you were up metal detecting around the fort. And the guy's like, what fort? And yeah, right. That was, well, I was I was planning some uh, dive adventures in Australia where I met a guy named Jeff, and I thought, uh, well, Jeff is kind of cool. He was a one-off friend to meet. 
And he invited me to go metal detecting over in Austria. And I'm like, well, you know, unless you got something haunted, I'm busy. <laughs> at the time, I was with Barry Fitzgerald in Ireland, and I had a lot of stuff going on at the time. And I was heading to Norway and Denmark and several other locations for different TV shows. And he said, well, we can do both at the same time. And I'm like, in the daytime? This could be interesting. Okay. I, you know, that's unique, right? Yeah. And so I did. I jumped on a plane and I traveled out there. You know, I'm kind of, you know, maybe it's real, maybe it ain't. You know, metal attacking when you meet people, you know. <laughs> How real could it be? And he... Sure enough, I was there at his home for for the first day, and it was kind of relaxing uh, getting over the airplane. And he was showing me around Austria and stuff, and I saw uh, this mountain, and at the bottom of the mountain were all these warning signs, I guess, in German, like the skull and crossbones and all this stuff at the entrance. And I'm like, that looks really cool. He said, I hope you think so. We're going to the top of the mountain. And so one of those domes, giant, I mean, absolutely giant dome-shaped mountains that overlooks about... 10 or 20 villages down below. And I said, what are all these signs about? He said, nah, I'll tell you later. Ah, okay. We went, you could not see the top of the mountain. We literally, that's how tall it was. We drove up to the top. And when we reached the top, it was strictly a dome. I mean, just green grass, beautiful. But you couldn't see anything for the fog. Just fog and grass. So we started metal detecting. And I took off in one direction and... He took off at another. Well, you know, when you're in a strange country, you don't know if there's bears around or what's going on, right? <laughs> yeah. And I'm metal detecting in a whole new environment that I'm used to. Holland, let me just explain to people listening in. Holland, where I live, is flat as a pancake. I'm from Florida, which is even flatter than a pancake. <laughs> and here I am on a mountain. You know, that's already got me unnerved. <laughs> well, we're up there in the fog. I mean, this is some... Thick fog. You couldn't see your hand in front of your face, but there I am metal attacking. And I kept wandering out, and the fog was getting thinner. So I, I went in that particular direction where the fog was getting thin. I said, I'm heading over here. I heard him say, okay. So I, I took off. Well, as I was metal attacking, I saw this shadow image in the background that kept bending over. I assumed it was him. You know how that is. Yeah. You can just see an, uh, an image. You can't see the person. So I'm like, I felt really relaxed. I could hear beeping on the mountain, so I knew... He was nearby, and I assumed that was him. And I kept walking, and this was about an hour. And then I saw what I considered to be the coolest, biggest wooden fort you could imagine on the mountain's edge. And I thought, now, wow, what a great place for a selfie. I'm <laughs> Right? I love doing that, sitting oh, up my yeah. garret on the shovel. You've seen people do that. Oh, yeah, you yeah. Sit, sit your metal detector up on a shovel, take a photograph of it, just to say, I was there. <laughs> right? yeah, yeah. So that was my attitude. And I thought for a minute, I looked at the photograph, but it's so foggy, I, I really couldn't see if I got a good one or not. And I'm like, I'm going to get closer to this. you know. So I walked close to where the, the fog image was really big. And then I looked over to the left, and I saw the image standing up was really, really black. My friend wasn't wearing black. He was wearing white, <laughs> you know, almost a fluorescent jacket. And I'm like, who is that? I was assuming he was a metal detector. I don't know. He had a long stick in his hand. I assume that was a metal detector. I, you know how that is. And I kept getting closer to this big image, but I would take a photograph every time I'd get a little bit closer. But at a certain point, the image just vanished in front of my eyes. So I'm like, okay, I'm too close, too much fog, right? The fog blocked it. it yeah. 
the end. So I realized that wasn't my friend off to the left because I heard beeping really far away in the other direction. And there was only me and him on the mountain. So I walked over to him and I said, Jeff's like, where have you been? Well, I was gone almost two hours. And I said, Jeff, I was over there by the fort. Not a big deal. And he just looked at me really pale. He said, there's no fort up here. I said, yeah, I, I, got, I took pictures of the fort, you know, lots of them. And uh, he's like, no, I've been here 14 or 15 years, and I come up here almost every day. Trust me, there's no fort up here. <laughs> it doesn't get more creepier than that. No, that is just well, I wanted insane. to prove my point, so I walked him back over there. And you could actually see my, you know how that is in the fog. You yeah. see your feet print in the grass. Yeah. So I actually followed the trail back. And I said, and, and I, you could see where I was standing. You could see where my shovel, you know, where the selfies were, where I made all that. Because I went perfectly to the spot. And there was nothing there. That's when I made my video to prove my point. There, there was nothing there. Oh, there was nothing to photograph. That's insane. Now, I've seen those photographs. Now, um I'm going to be sharing those photographs later on on the GDA group for anybody that wants to come listen or come check them out. They are unbelievable. Um, you can literally, quite literally, see every single wooden post that was used to make a fence that was around a tall tower. I mean, there is a fort there. It is, unmis- <laughs> yeah, it is unmistakable. It, I mean, you can see every... Like the tower itself, it has three three posts holding each one of the four corners. You can see how many posts are, you know, like all the vertical slats that are in the fence, how many vertical slats there are on the, the angled roof, everything. It is just insane, the detail, and then for it to be nowhere around. It was just not there. I mean, there's no other way to explain that. It, just, it was there, but it wasn't there. But I'm glad I made the selfies. Absolutely. If I hadn't done that, well, you can tell the, the photographs are the same place, but it's one's bigger, one's smaller from the distances, but it ain't there. No matter how you look at it, it's just it's floating. It's it was just, just floating. It just wasn't there. It's just insane. I, I highly recommend it to anybody who uh, might have any kind of a, a paranormal story. This is one of a kind. This is truly a great experience. Now, to see this fort and... To be in Austria, trust me, I live in uh, Bavaria, Germany, and uh, I used to drive through the Alps all the time, and it is just beyond. Using the word gorgeous in that area is an understatement. Um, now, also, now let me give you give some people some tips. Can I do that while we're here? Absolutely. <laughs> in uh, the Ghost Ship Hunters uh, Treasure Quest, you can see also where I travel to anything spooky in the way of metal detecting and fun. I traveled over to Scotland to go into the Edinburgh vaults. I had done it one time before. You might know of a TV show called Ghost Adventures. Absolutely, yeah. Well, I went into the first Edinburgh vaults with them a long time ago. And a year ago, I went into the Edinburgh vaults. And this year, I teamed up with an American metal detectorist, a young lady named Amber Evans. And Ian Williams is my contact over there. We all met. At, under the Edinburgh Castle, and then we went into the vaults again. And it was, let me tell you what, creepy is beyond the word. <laughs> <laughs> and just prior to that, now I had been in France. I went over to France and I was under the streets of Paris and oh. what they call the catacombs. The catacombs. Of skulls. Yeah. 
Uh, you have one for the tourists, and you have one that's <laughs> not for tourists. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I know. And I won't tell you which one I was metal detecting in. Hint, hint. <laughs> <laughs> but I have a lot of photographs of that. Creepy doesn't even begin to explain what those what that place is like. Oh. Um, that that was wild. Yeah, the. Uh I was trying to get into actually the catacombs when I was in Paris quite a few years ago. Yeah, but there was something that had happened in the catacombs and they so they had them closed down unfortunately for exactly that week that I was there. But uh if anybody uh it's kind of a weird thing. You got to remember that this is back at a time when the plague was going around Europe and uh they were running out of places to bury everybody and they had these mines that were underneath Paris. I mean, we're talking Oh, how many, how many do they estimate? 200 miles. 200 miles. miles but they, they've never been fully explored. Um, 200 miles of these caves where they started putting the bodies uh, at that time in. And now everything's still there. Strictly uh, the bones is what they did. Yeah. And it's, it's stacked up 12 foot high of skulls and legs and every bone you can imagine. Going back 20 foot thick on each side of a walkway that's 12 foot wide. So you get an idea. It's just so insane. It's insane. And it doesn't matter how far you walk. You can walk forever and ever and ever and ever. Like I said, we had to pull a string behind us because we were in the unlit section. We okay. were not in the tourist area. I'll yeah. just say that. Yeah, I know. I <laughs> so know where you're talking. We unraveled a string as we walked because you would never find your way out otherwise. Yeah, I know where you're talking about. Yeah, that's, um, that's one of those things. Uh, if you're ever down here, give me a buzz. I'd love to come with you on some of these adventures. Um, oh, sure. <laughs> get these things on video and uh, share them around the world. But yeah, the uh, oh, excuse me. But um, now, um, anybody who knows me, I, I'm totally uh, into the paranormal. Uh, the reason why is that uh, in the year nine, well, actually it was in '99, my wife and family and I moved to Fort Bragg, North Carolina. We lived in a place that's no longer there called Dove Place on Fort Bragg, North Carolina. And um, we all, all four of us had our own experiences in the house, but we never talked about it until we were in Italy quite a few years later, uh, three years later to be exact. And um, uh, so I had something when I, I had had uh, eye surgery to uh, actually LASIK eye surgery, so I didn't need glasses anymore. And I was sitting on the couch and somebody walked between me and the the uh, television and I thought it was my wife or my kids and so I started calling to the cat and thinking maybe it was the cat but there was nobody uh, home and the cat came from upstairs I mean I was literally alone but somebody had walked between me and the television so uh, my wife was sitting next to me on another date and um, the kids were spending the night across the street at, at our friend's house and uh, my wife just suddenly starts yelling at the stairs. She yells, go back to bed, it's late. And I'm like, who are you talking to? She's like, well, one of the kids is poking around the corner at me, looking at me. I was like, honey, uh, the kids are at the at their friend's house across the street. And, uh, yeah, we had to go for a walk at that time. I uh, can't imagine. <laughs> <laughs> but then uh, a couple years later, we were talking with uh, my youngest son. At the time, he would have been six to nine years old. No, six to seven years old. And um, he said that at one point uh, he was playing in his room upstairs, and a small boy came up and asked if he could come in and play with him. And he's like, no, you can't come in. I don't know who you are. Um, 
couple minutes later, my son came downstairs. My wife and I were sitting downstairs, and he asked us why we let a boy upstairs that he didn't know to come play with him. We're like, we didn't let anybody upstairs. He's like, uh, he didn't think anything of it and walked away. But uh, several years later, he told us that the kid was uh, as corporeal as it could be directly in front of him, a uh, full body uh, child, probably about six years old, just asking him if he could come in and play with him. Um, from that point on, all three of us, we have complete belief in the afterlife, the paranormal. Uh, my other son, he refuses to uh, <laughs> accept uh, what had happened. Uh, he says that there's no way that this uh, had happened, so he's blocked it out. But it's one of those things, once you have that experience, then it sticks with you. Well, I, I, now, in treasure hunting, I find, I, I love that now. Well, this year, this year, I went through 43 castles in France where I was invited to the castles. And also, I did metal detecting. Fantastic. So, I found a lot of odd things. And you hear all the haunted stories in the castles. There was one particular castle I went into. And, oh, you know, how you hear these stories, you're like, right, yeah, sure. Okay, you know what I mean. Yeah, and uh, I was hearing this story about their haunted castle and the the dining area nobody could go into. In fact, they had it sealed off. And I, uh, I was on vacation. I was camping nearby, and my son and me were like, oh, "Well, I, I want to go in here <laughs> and lock it." He said, "Well, if you want to, we'll let you." So I, I got my video camera ready, and I went into the place, and it was like dead silence. I looked around. There was this, of course, it's a castle dining, right? This huge table with all the luxurious antique dishes full of dust, of course, and nobody's been in there in a while. And you had the harpsichord organ in the distance. You had everything that would be in a living room for the, I mean, in a dining room for that day. And I was, it was daylight, and I went in there, and I was like, oh, this is boring. And so I, I turned on my video for fun, just if nothing else, just to show people what it wasn't. I was going to make fun of it, actually. And I turned on my video camera. And I said, well, this is the dining room that's supposed to be haunted. About that time, the moment I said it, you could hear the dishes clanking. And you're staring at the dishes in my video. And you hear the plate, you know, the silverware. You hear everything going on. Like like 20 people are eating dinner. And it's like, whoa, you start hearing the footsteps. Now, I'm up against the wall. <laughs> I walked away from the door and put my back to the wall just to film it. The harpsichord went off. And I'm looking over at it, and it's nothing but dust all over it. <laughs> but you could hear it in the video, and you could you could hear the dishes, you could hear the people talking, and then the lights started acting up. But the longer I was staying there, it was kind of like being there in denial, right? The longer I'm standing there filming this, the worse it got worse and worse and worse and worse, the activity. And... Uh, Naturally, I'm no exorcist. No, <laughs> I walked out. I'm no priest. I walked out. You know, I'm like, yeah, you know, the owners look at you like, what can you do? And I'm like, yeah, well, you're right. It's haunted. <laughs> Later, Gators. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, I had. Uh, I worked at a castle over here in town. It's called uh, uh, Castle Meinberg. It's uh, not too far from here. But uh, me and uh, my brother-in-law, we were responsible for helping clean a lot of the ivy from the windows that had overgrown on the windows. So we had to go into the building, open the window, cut all the ivy around the windows, and then close the windows. Uh, so we had finished, and we were down in the courtyard of the castle, and we were actually sweeping everything together. There were four of us down there at the time, including the owner of the castle. When all of a sudden, uh, one of the windows that we had just cut opened, every single one of us stopped and looked up at the window, and then it closed. Now, there's only two ways into the castle. So we, me and my brother-in-law ran into the castle to go try and figure out what was going on. There had to be somebody in the castle because the window literally opened and closed audibly, and we were all sitting there watching it. And uh, we then ran into the castle from both both sides to try and um, get it cornered into the middle. And we both came together, looked around, and there was nothing there. Nobody passed us from either sides. And, um, yeah, it was four people at the exact same time saw somebody in the window, opening the window, closed the window, and nobody came out, and there could have been nobody in there. It was insane. Whoa. Yeah, I can imagine that. Now, there was once I was training. Now, what I do is I teach metal detecting as well. Yeah. And I was teaching this family how to do metal detecting. This was only a couple of years ago, two years ago, actually. I was teaching them how to metal detect. And, of course, we drove this long dike. Now, every single home on this dike is from the 1600s, all original houses, all the original farms. And you knock on doors and ask if you could do their fields and what have you. There was one field that, well, how do you explain that? There's a field right and a field left, a potato field, which is flat as a pancake, if you yeah. can imagine, after yeah. they took out the corn. And there's like this tall, squared trees where a house sits somewhere in the middle. And I thought, you can't see the house. How weird is this? And everybody going by or everywhere talks about this place as being where the creeps live. <laughs> the Adams family, I mean, there's a lot of rumors. It's a haunted <laughs> field and so forth and so on. The house is far right and left would say, yeah, it's a haunted field. Tractors that go out there on the wrong days will break down or blow up or, you know, all sorts of weird stuff will happen. Yeah. Well, I'm like, and everybody was scared of this field when we parked by it. And I said, I'm going for it. Let's go. Let's go metal detect this field. We were out there maybe one half hour with, with the family Koopsman and they found, and I still have it to this day, a shrunken head. Dude, what? I'm not kidding. It is a shrunken head. I just posted it in the Ghost of Hunters Treasure Quest. I did see it's a, it's a genuine shrunken head, wherever it comes from, who knows. And it was on the ground, and I, I kind of had it cleaned up and restored. Now, let me tell you a little bit about background behind this. I have given it away after it was restored. I gave it away 12 times. It keeps getting returned to me. I've given it away to somebody all the way over in England. Uh, a week later, it was at my front door. Not by mail. They brought it. <laughs> <laughs> and I mail it off several hundred times. and it, it just keeps coming back. It seems to be happy in my treasure cabinet next to all the old antique coins and everything. Although it does make the case rattle. I don't really understand it. Now, recently, I thought, well, I, I've got to get rid of this odor, <laughs> first of all. It's got a strange little smell coming from it. So this summer, I put it over an ant bed. Yeah, if the ants eat it away, so what? They had a chance to in the farm field, right? Yeah. 
So I put it over the ant bed. I came back. The ants left the nest. This was a giant nest. It was in my backyard. The ants left the nest. So I'm like, okay, I, I know where these other creatures hang out, and I put it over there, and animals won't go near it. Dogs, cats. I know this dog that eats leather for fun. So I put it near this dog and this pit bull, and the pit bull wouldn't go anywhere near it. I actually cried when they, you know, I would slide it towards it. And I still have it to this day. I still have it. I was hoping we'd do video today, but okay, next time. <laughs> but I still have the shrunken head. I, I think it's like the kind that comes out of South America, yeah. Africa. I don't know really where they come from. But it is the coolest looking thing in the world. It's cool looking, but... Yeah, you got to keep it in a cabinet. I <laughs> uh, definitely do. Well, or outside I'm, on a shelf. <laughs> well, uh, Captain Ron, we're going to take uh, Ca Captain Ron. Oh, oh man, that. boy, that is an old movie. Wow, isn't it? Yeah, yeah I remember that one, <laughs> Captain Robert. <laughs> we're going to take a break right now. Uh, I'm going to let us uh, uh, take a little time off. Okay, that was a cut spot. What I'm going to be doing is we're going to be coming in. Uh, we're going to be playing a, uh, uh, a brand new song from one of the bands. Uh, we're, cool. This is the time where we can actually take a little pause and break, uh, get How some long? drink. Um, and then anybody watching, uh, just remember, please don't call in today. We do not have the ability to receive phone calls. Uh, unfortunately, our services have died right now. We'll get this fixed by the next episode, but uh, we can't uh, receive phone calls tonight. We can take um, voicemail, but the phone calls are not coming through for some reason. It's not on me, so. Uh, all right, and second cut point. So uh, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be playing a brand new song from TG Copperfield, for those that are watching on video, uh, this is the CD that I'm talking about. It's called The Worried Man, brand new. Uh, the CD drops next month on the 18th of December. Make sure you check it out on iTunes. Then um, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be playing the title track from this song. It's called The, the Worried Man, and we're going to be playing that right now. So uh, stand by. Exclusive hot new mix. Oh, 
ladies and gentlemen, for those of you who know me, uh, I am quite the rocker. I'm talking like old school, old school kind of rocker. I'm talking like uh, Creedence Clearwater Revival, Pink Floyd, everybody else. And, uh, and so bands like that, you know, T.G. Copperfield is uh, a friend of mine that I met earlier this year and they put out some amazing music. I highly recommend them to you guys. If you haven't got the debut album, T.G. Copperfield, uh, definitely run and get that. And uh, The Worried Man, like I said, drops on December 8th. Uh, excuse me, December 18th. And it's going to be available on iTunes all around the world. This, this album is absolutely fantastic. And uh, as always, they're happy to uh, let us play the... Uh, music on here make sure you guys go out and get this when it comes 12 great songs on here but anyway uh so captain robert are you back yeah I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> why you're dropping names and ghost stories now i've got a friend that probably i'm hoping we get this this uh skype situation resolved in the next few days or weeks I got a buddy of mine, I think everybody knows, Dave Evans. Uh, he created a little band, I don't know, a little tiny band, some of you might know, called ACDC. Uh, <laughs> now, he comes over, now, he's come over here and ghost hunted with me before. We, we've got the traditional castles over here. And I took him through the most haunted castle, which is close to Am just outside of Amsterdam. He came over here and spent a whole week with me. And we ghost hunted castles and haunted forests. But the castle is something I don't think he will soon forget. I posted that in the Ghost Ship Hunters Treasure Quest. And a few, I got quite a few actually singer friends since I became the world's number one rocker. <laughs> <laughs> I got a title they can't get, right? <laughs> so I, I've done enough in my life over here in Europe the last 25 years in the way of, of Ghost hunting, I know exactly where to go when someone's up this way. Yeah. Um, and I pretty much know where to, where to go everywhere except your territory in Germany. I only know one town there, Bamberg, when I was in the Army. And that's 30, that 30 minutes from creepy me. Creepy haunted. <laughs> yeah, 30 minutes from me. Yeah, it's, it's from the 1400s, the town. Yeah, the, the, the town goes way back. There actually was a seat of government, and it's the, the town where the the... The only pope buried north of the Alps is buried in Bamberg. That's right. And they claim in the church there, the cathedral, they claim Christ walked in that church. That's how uh, old that church is. Yeah, and it's, that's could be argued. <laughs> yeah, of course it can. <laughs> Unless he's a ghost, we'll never know, right? <laughs> no, I, I really want to return to Bamberg. The coin, the relics you find out there in Metal Attack, it must be... Tremendous. Of course, only you would know that. Yeah. Uh, there's, some, there's some really great hunting out here. Uh, if you ever want to come out here, I'm uh, actually kind of seating myself out to get more permissions out here. And uh, what I want to do is uh, about 40 minutes south of where I live, there's a town called Rotenburg up the Taube. You need to take a look at this. I'll send you a link for this and share it. And, oh, um, love it. Uh, the town literally became uh, broke in the 1400s. Uh, the crossroads for the spice trades uh, that were coming from the east 
and the I think it was the tapestries or something else that was going north south used to crossroads right there at the town, but um, uh, they it ended up moving about a hundred miles north, and so what happened is that town in the 1400s completely died. All the money just dried up overnight. Wow. And, um, so the town stayed exactly as it is from the 1400s to the late 1800s when it became a tourist attraction, and it is still exactly that way. Um, there's a whole lot of history in the town, and what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to line up permissions for the farm fields that are around it. We would never be able to metal detect in the town because it is, um, uh, what is it, historical you know, historical right. grounds, but we can do the fields that surround it. And uh, if I do my cards right, I can use uh, satellite imagery and historical imagery to find the old roads that used to go into town, and we would have a blast finding some Oh, history. I bet. I bet. There must, be, there must be farm fields out there. Oh, there are. The, the town itself is completely surrounded by farm fields and wooded area. The wooded oh, area we could do... And uh, the farm fields I'm trying to get permissions for. So we definitely uh, can do this. That's one thing I liked about Austria. Most of the farms that I went to, and I went to a lot, they did not know what a metal detector was. I had to actually show them what it was and what it does. Yeah. And when I got permission, they didn't know. And you'd find silver-hammered coins like lots and lots of them because nobody does it. Exactly. Oh, it was just paradise. I, I can only imagine what Germany's like. I have two hammered coins. That's it. Most of my coins, my earliest coin is 1535 so far. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I'm pretty much in the late 1700s up to modern. Uh, right. But the weird thing is I have not found post-World War II coinage. Really? At all. I am completely dead on post-World War II coinage. And you, you would think, <laughs> yeah, you would think that that that's that would be we something. We find too many. <laughs> yeah, I've I've done it where I've gone to like uh, uh, the public swimming area and metal detected there with some guys. Mm-hmm. We do this once a year in the winter, where we do a coin shoot to see who finds the most most spendable money. But that's the only place where I find it. Out in the fields, out in the woods, I've never found anything modern. Wow. Post World War II. Me, I have one field that, of course, my friends know. It's called the Silver Fields. It doesn't matter if you're a first time, like that's why I teach my students. It doesn't matter if you're first time picking up a metal detector or you've been doing it your whole life. I've never had anybody walk off the field without silver, including me. The last 27 years is silver one object after another. Yeah, and I have the same thing. And uh, I was just recorded for this article that was back here. You know, you had the reporter come out. And uh, that was the one time, the only time I've never found silver on that field. In fact, we found one coin the whole day. Isn't it like that when yeah. you invite somebody? <laughs> yeah. you got the news reporter right there with you. <laughs> yeah, I, and know, it I know. Just, uh, and nothing happens. Uh, we're going to take a very short break right now. And uh, when we come back, we're going to be checking in with Dave. But first, I want to uh, get a word in from our sponsor. So we'll be right back. This is the Archaeology and Metal Detecting Magazine's 10 Facts About Halloween You May Not Have Known. Fact 1. The date of October 31st was chosen as it was the last day of the year in the old Celtic calendar in which the new year began on November the 1st. Fact 2. Halloween's origins lies in a Celtic festival marking the final harvest of the year. 
Fact 3. Ghoulish costumes were worn to frighten away the spirits of the dead looking for bodies to possess. Fact 4. The magician and escapologist Harry Houdini died on Halloween Day in 1926. Fact 5. Mussolini became Prime Minister of Italy in October 1922 on Halloween. Fact 6. The first four Halloween films were released just before Halloween. The closest was Halloween 2, which was released on October 30th, 1981. Fact 7. The mask Michael Myers wore in the first Halloween film was the Captain Kirk death mask from Star Trek Sprayed White. Fact 8. Irish immigrants introduced pumpkin carving into the US. In Europe, turnips had been used. Fact 9. In the USA, it is estimated that $7 billion a year are spent on Halloween celebrations. Fact 10. Nearly one in five American adults say they have seen or felt the presence of a ghost, according to a survey. And about one third of Americans believe in haunted houses. Blackadder is advancing perfection with every new shovel. Didn't think it was possible? Then head over to the website and check out all the shovels made specifically for metal detecting www.blackada.com See their amazingly affordable shovels for yourself. A family-run UK business that takes perfection to a new level. Blackadder. Hey everyone, this is XT Sonia. Seeing that we're doing a Halloween segment today, I wanted to call in and share one of my ghost stories. So, my husband and I live in an old house from the, uh, I don't know, I'd say the late 1800s, and we lived there about 15 years, and almost every single night when we went to bed, we would turn off the TV in the living room and go to bed, and the TV would turn itself back on. And I mean, this happened four or five times a week. So we would get up, go turn it back off, and it was just a joke between us. We would always say, little boys, quit turning our TV back on. And we just laugh. And, I mean, it happened so often it wasn't even scary or anything. So one morning I was laying in bed, wide awake. And in my ear, a little boy whispers, your hamster's dead. And, I mean, just like that, just your hamster's dead. And I sat up in bed, scared the crap out of me. And I'm like, what? So at this time, my son actually did have a hamster. So I run in his bedroom, and the hamster's fine. It's just playing, and everything's good. So I was like, you know, well, that's kind of weird. I go to work that morning. I'm telling all my coworkers about it, and they're all asking me, of course, if the hamster was okay. And I said, yeah, you know, it was fine. Went to bed that night, woke up the next morning, go in my son's room to get him ready for school, and that hamster was dead. Just, I mean, you know, just dead. So that was freaky, to say the least. We moved out of that house four years ago, and we sold it to my husband's friend. The husband's friend hadn't lived there maybe five months. He calls my husband and says, you're going to think I'm nuts, but I've got to ask you guys, 
did you ever see or hear any ghosts when you lived here? So my husband kind of laughs and says, you know, well, yeah, we had a few things happen over the years. And he asked them why he's asking. And he said, he kept hearing his daughter, who was like four at the time, talking to herself in her bedroom. So one night he goes in there and says, who are you talking to? And she told him there was a little boy that lived there, and he was her new friend. So needless to say, yeah, I'm kind of glad I moved out, but I thought I'd share. Hope you all have a great day. Helping hundreds of people annoy their families while driving in a car. This is the GDA Radio Podcast. Well, we're back. I've got Dave on the line. How's it going out there, Dave? Oh, it's going truly, truly wonderful. We're having a great day. Mike's right next to me. I got a couple of GDA members with me right now. I got my, well, I don't even want to even talk about that because I got blown away by one of the GDA members. I'm going to actually pass the phone to him, and he's just going to tell you this, this amazing finity that he, that he has. Yeah. Okay. Hi, this is, uh, my name's Craig Amernick, and uh, I've been metal detecting for like eh, 35 years probably now. And, oh, wow. Uh, I just found my oldest coin ever for a United States coin. Uh, got a silver trime. Oh, really? Only, yeah, the thing's only the size of not even the end of your fingertip. Wow. And it's so crazy. It was, and it was in the middle of middle of a huge field and just picked it out of... All it was was a little tiny beep. Yeah, what? A real high beeping. Is there, is there a year on there? Uh, I'm trying to find it. I can't is it find silver? it. Is it silver? I can see the star on the front and... The C with the three, with the Roman numeral three on the back, but I can't find the date. Oh, that's but fantastic. Being a silver one, it's got to be, what, 1851 to 1858, I think, so. Fantastic. Well, congratulations on that fine. I know oh, Dave, yeah. I know Dave's got to be jealous by now. <laughs> oh, he got his large sense. So. Oh, we found he, another one he's today. Happy. <laughs> he's happy. Oh. You found another one today out there, then. Yeah, it'll be my uh, fifth for the year, fourth one out here. Um, wow. It's just, uh, it really turned out to be a really nice day. Everybody's uh, pulling some really cool stuff, really, you know, nice farm relics. And um, so we're all going to post them later. But I want to give you a, take a chance and give it over to Mike. Absolutely. Hey, Lance, uh, as Dave said, we're having a great time out here. I mean, it's. It's a very, very, uh, well, I'd say large field. And, you know, when you field hunt, you you look around and you go, how are you going to find a trime in a field this large? <laughs> but uh, between the four of us, we've done pretty well. Dave uh, landed another large scent, uh, number five or six for the year for him. I found a 1902 Indian head. I also found a copper ring. Uh, I found a flat button. Um, and the other GD mem- GDA member found himself an uh, Indian head, uh, so we're all doing well in this uh, spacious field. Field hunting's where it's at for the old stuff, no doubt about it. Oh, that's- yeah. Yeah, that's one of the things. I love my relic hunts and uh, watching Dave on that field out there. Uh, even though it has that, that tall uh, green that's on there, it just looks like so much fun. There's There was something there at some point. Oh, no question. You know, it's got a nice knoll where you can even see, uh, you know, bits of concrete uh, and rock 
Um, beautiful field, though, and it's been a lot of fun. We're having a great time. The sun popped out for about five minutes. It's, it's uh, probably in the mid-40s here in Wisconsin. You know, we're nearing winter, so snow's going to be flying pretty soon. So a uh, pretty nice day for us to get out and hunt, that's for sure. Fantastic. Well, you guys get out there. You guys keep finding something. Hopefully we can get you broken into the 1800s as well. Yeah, Mike's taking off right now. Uh, we're going to hit it for about another hour, and then we're going to call it a day here. Um, but, yeah, a truly amazing day. It was great to, get to to meet some of the new guys from GDA, and, and, and Mike and me were thinking about you. So how's it going over there in, in the control center? Yeah, everything's going good. We got a good show a little late on the startup, but uh, we got five people that are currently watching us live right now, and, you know, uh everybody that's in here we got a real tight group of people and uh we got uh stuff coming in left and right the show is actually turning out real good uh it's the creepy halloween episode so uh we got some ghost stories about to come in later too sweet sweet well make sure everybody goes to the global detection adventure facebook page check out mics and my finds and uh the other guys um, they're going to post their stuff too. So hopefully they'll get that in some today or tomorrow. So be sure to see some really cool stuff. All right. And, uh, if we get a chance, we'll definitely hit hit you back up before uh, we sign off. And, um, but until then, uh, you know what I say, have luck out there. Well, dig it up y'all. Yeah, hasty banana. All right. Talk to you later. <laughs> Hey Lance, Dave, Luke here from the Archaeology and Metal Detecting magazine. Apologies if you can hear my uh, baby daughters in the background. They're not terribly well today. Anyway, a unique lion helmet from the Punic Wars has been discovered by marine archaeologists diving off the Sicilian coast. The helmet is Celtic style and was popular across Europe and the helmet dates from around 240 BC. In another bit of exciting archaeology news, an almost perfectly preserved Roman ship has been discovered in the Black Sea off of Bulgaria's coast. The Black Sea is anoxic, preventing the growth and development of organisms that usually feed on organic materials such as wood, leaving the vessel in a near intact state. Some amazing pictures of this are available on archmdmag.com. And from Viking hordes to gold Roman coins, we take a look at the seven most impressive hordes ever found, including the Staffordshire Horde and the Bactrian Gold. And quite a funny story from, uh, from Germany. A pensioner called police after discovering what he believed was an unexploded World War II bomb in his back garden, only for them to discover it was, in fact, a particularly large courgette. Police spokesman said the, option, the object really did look like a bomb, and it's always better safe than sorry. As always, many, many more stories, news and updates are available on the Archaeology and Metal Detecting magazine website, archmdmag.com. That's A-R-C-H-M-D-M-A-G.com. Cheers, Lance, Dave, Mike. Have a good show, guys. Hello, I am the XP Deus WS4. You may not know me, but I am one of the best metal detectors on the market. I am fully customizable to your needs. I have unparalleled depth and accuracy. Not to mention, I have nothing on. There are no wires on me. I am naked, which means you can use me as you want. Take my coil and only use my headphones. Or use just the coil and the control box. I am always here for you to use as you see fit. 
Oh come on now get your mind out of the gutter, if you have not upgraded to the XP Deus, you don't know the power you are missing out on. Visit www.xpmetaldetectors.com to find out more. Well, that sounds like a lot of fun. No, he, I've been watching his, his field is a really large old field in Wisconsin. And um, there's nothing growing on it except for, it almost looks like clover that's growing, growing on there, probably about 12 inches or less tall. Um, but you can see where the field kind of crested slightly. And um, he's been finding relics out there like amazing. And he wow. was he was a guy that was uh, strictly going to parks and um, going other places. And now he is just strictly relic hunting out in this uh, this field. Uh, I, I got I got lucky uh, last year. I toured all forty eight states of the USA, hmm. filming filming and running around detecting and acting crazy ghost hunting. <laughs> and I got with. Uh, my nephew James and Digger Ray, he's one of the guys oh, yeah. in my group. Yeah, I know him. Oh, he's really cool. They took me out metal detecting. Uh, James had to work, and Digger Ray took me out in the woods metal detecting, and I found my first Civil War coins and my first musket, Civil War musket ball, I guess you would say, from the Confederate mm. side. Mm. And they could tell by the stripes on the bullet. I found yeah. that odd. Over yeah. here, the musket, they're literally balls. We call yeah, them musket balls. Yeah, over there, they had the mini balls mm. for a while. Right, and we get them all different sizes, going back to the 1200s. Yeah, and see, that's and, the same thing. I haven't found a mini ball over here in uh, mainland Europe yet, but I found the musket balls, like you know, like the pirate balls. Right, so, right. Oh, uh, wait, that came out weird. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I said take me to, to around some old spooky plantations, and he took me over there where they actually filmed The Walking Dead. Oh. And he took me to some of those film locations, and those houses are truly haunted. I mean, those people had trouble filming in some of the some of the old plantations. They had trouble filming their TV show in some of the locations. And I heard the stories about it a long time before we went there. But we went to one particular house that shows up in the film quite often in the middle of nowhere, this, this beautiful, beautiful plantation house. And that was the creepiest experience I ever had for metal detecting. Oh, but man. the finds were great. The finds were great. It's not the kind of place you were like, oh, let's hang out here all day, right? No, 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 no. <laughs> no. As soon as you see something moving in the house and you know the house is sealed up, you see lights moving in the house, it's like, mm, mm, time to go. <laughs> oh, trust me, I've been there. I've been there. I wasn't metal detecting at the time, but um, the uh, the royalty here in Bavaria, the I guess you could call it the prince or the, um, uh, I don't know, I think it's kind of a prince. Uh, he's not the direct descendant, but he's kind of like the cousin of the direct descendant. So he had a block of land here uh, about 40 minutes from where I live. And um, so we had permission to actually go out and uh, do some ghost hunting at the, the buildings. And it was a very large, um, I guess you could call it plantation uh, here in Germany. And... Um, so we weren't able to go into the actual courtyard. So it was five buildings that were built in a kind of large square. So you had the servants' quarters, the main house, the farm. You had the storage uh, fields. And then you had, like, the kitchens and everything else. So, you know, very rich person for the 1800s. Right. Um, but unfortunately, it had fallen under disrepair, so the roofs were falling off. That's why we couldn't go in, because most of them were falling into the courtyard. Um, but we were able to walk around the outside of the buildings and kind of do our ghost hunting then. And um, so 
the the funny thing is, is that me and two others, I'd actually set my audio recorder up in one of the windowsills, and um, there was no floor. So I set it up basically in the basement window, and the floors had completely rotted out. So from the ba- basement window, you could look up through three floors that were completely rotted out. They were completely gone. So you could look through that window, and you'd see sky through the building. Um so I was walking around with my video camera and I was filming kind of the, the, the fields and everything else. And I turned my head and there was a blonde haired girl staring at me from the third floor window. Wow. And um, it caught me off guard. And so I kind of looked at it again and I, I noticed blonde hair, very long, straight blonde hair. And the girl was staring straight at me from the corner of the window with blue eyes. And I was starting to turn the camera back to it, and she popped her head back around the corner, and her hair went over the windowsill and everything else. And then I started thinking to myself, wait a second, there's no floor on that floor. How was somebody staring at me from that window? Honestly, (laughs) how? Yeah, so, yeah. And the weird thing is, is we had an EVP at that exact same moment. So you could hear me kind of say something in the background. Because I was calling to the other two girls that were with me. And at the exact same time, you hear what sounds like an old man, uh, an older man, let's say a father, say something to his daughter. So it was like a blah, 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 blah. And then you heard a girl's voice say something back. You couldn't hear what they said. And then it was a real high-pitched girl's voice. And then a piano started playing. Ding, Whoa. ding, 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 ding. And that was at the exact same time I saw the little girl in the window. Absolutely unbelievable. Now, me in France, this is recent, I have come closer to finding the Knights Templar treasure than anybody has. You know, everybody's looking for it in France. Shut your mouth. You better call me before you go back after that. Now, (laughs) I went, I heard about this, you know, everybody that I know, big time treasure hunters, really famous TV shows, all kinds of people hit France in the summer, in in the Pyrenees, looking for that particular treasure. Because everybody knows it does exist. You know, that's one thing the Templars were. They were bankers, the original bankers of the olden times. Yeah, I know. They kept perfect records, which still exist. Now, the records even tell to the coin how much money they had when they were wiped out by the king, who, of course, owed them lots of money. Yeah, the king of France ordered, uh, basically told the pope that uh, they were sacrilegious in order to kill them off so that he wouldn't have to pay their debts to them. That's right. He owed them a lot of money. Yep. Well, everybody that I know in the way of treasure hunting TV shows, Josh Gates, you name it, they're all looking at these giant cathedrals, you know. Of course, Templars drawings and the windows and all this, and they're doing all these documentaries on, you know, these giant Templars. Now, the Templars were very modest people. Exactly. The kings and queens of France, of course, they put their pictures and Statues all over the place from Scotland on, but not the Templars. Templars were very modest, very shy people. So I started looking at little tiny abandoned chapels on mountaintops around France. That would be more Templars, in my opinion. And there was one mountain they told me uh, a year ago. They said, that mountain is haunted. Don't go there. And the police would warn you if you started walking towards it. That mountaintop is haunted. Well, you know, I'm into that, right? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So I went have a beautiful sunny day, and I had a campground, you know, cl- fairly close by, a uh, big camp. We had a lo- big team with us, and me and my son walked halfway up the mountain. 
And we saw what looked like, I don't know, 20 or 30 people riding horses, but we were still really far away. We're still 10, kilo, 10 kilometers at least away, you know, seven miles away, looking up. Um, and we, but we had a clear view of the images, the strange images up there. And that's all they are, blurry images. Mm. We went all the way up to the top, and there was nothing going on at all. And as we got closer, of course, I saw all these black shadow figures. And we went up there, and there was a chapel. The roof was caved in, and I actually found on the ground that fell off the castle's roof somewhere a shield of the Knights Templar. And I had it checked out, and it was Egyptian sandstone. Well, you know about the First Crusades. It was Egyptian sandstone with the two riders on one horse. Well, I, the French people went nuts when I had it checked out. I went to the Louvre, you know where that is, the yeah, yeah. biggest museum in France. And they are the ones who identified it. And, and they're like, this is incredible because up until that point, they only had waxed images uh, and drawings and sketchings of what the shield should look like from the Templars themselves. But, but I they had never the actual actually had one. Shield. I had the actual shield. Now, are we talking, uh, we're talking about that, that shield that's kind of double-rounded on top and then it goes down to the kind of point on the bottom, the kind of what, what people would think almost is like the family shield crest shape? It's, it's a two riders, two knights on one horse. It's perfectly round shield. Oh, okay. Carved Samsung. I'll post it in your group. Yeah, fantastic. Um, it's, it's the best artifact and everybody's after it. I even received threats from over in Rome, the Vatican. People wanting it. And when I refused to sell it or even show it, they got really bent out of shape. And I've had people after it ever since because I also found a lot of silver coins from the Templars. Okay. I found about 20 silver coins from the Templars. And now, only recently, I got the ATX from Garrett. You know what that is. That's yeah, the yeah. ground uh, pulse radar. Now, next year, when I go back, you're welcome to come with me. I know we're going to hit it big. Yeah, definitely. I just know this is going to do it. So. Well, you know I am totally with you, and I will <laughs> make sure that uh, I bring any of my knowledge on the Knights Templar with. Um, that's one of the things. Uh, my family comes from... The town of Goolsby, England, which is uh, to the northeast of London. And uh, we had two people from that town that were uh, actually in the, uh, the, uh, the Knights Templar. So, um, but yeah, like you were saying, that the Knights Templar, a lot of people think that they're these rich and gaudy knights that actually uh, went and fought. But uh, they forget that the Knights Templar were actually the ones that created credit. Um, the, basically, they the check. wrote checks <laughs> is what they it, did. The uh, basically, you gave the Knights Templar your money that you wanted to spend in Jerusalem to safeguard it during the trip because they were pirates along the way from uh, wherever you were going to Jerusalem. That would what, steal most, you. what most people don't know about uh, the Knights Templars is they were monks first. Yep. They were called fighting monks. They were very, very religious. Yep. Um, and then, but they had to protect their money, so they were fighting monks. And a lot of volunteers from just normal walks of life. Uh, yeah. And so that's why they're very pious people. Now, we, we tried to go back up to this place at night because we saw a lot of lights up there. And we're like, is somebody else after it? You know how it is, treasure hunting. Is somebody mm -hmm. else, did somebody follow us up there? Is somebody else after it? But the French people were right. That mountaintop is haunted any way you look at it. If you start heading up at night, you're just not going to get it. First of all, our car started sliding backwards down the road. We had just went up the day before, and there had been no rain. 
So there's no driving up the mountain. So we tried to hike up. There's no walking up the mountain after dark. Uh, Whatever's up there after dark doesn't want you up there, and you're not getting up there no matter what you do. Well, whenever we go up there, we're going to have to just go up there during the day and camp. Daytime. We're going to have to. Well, you got to figure the amount of time it takes to get up there. Um, then you only have so much daylight left. But, yes, get up there with camping gear. Yeah, exactly. But it's going to be the ultimate ghost hunt, if you will. <laughs> Metal detecting ghost slash ghost hunt. It, it, it will be the ultimate. That much, I'm sure. That's going to be fantastic. All right, oh, so yeah. uh, we got uh, we got a couple of ghosts. Uh, actually, um, we're going to go to uh, people that left voicemails for us. One of them actually uh, applies to you. But uh, oh. we're going to go into a couple of ghost stories uh, right now. Um, but the weird thing is, is they both seem to be affected by the paranormal while they were recording these. So take a listen to these. Uh, the first one is going to be Patrick White, one of our one of our friends, and we'll talk about it right after. Well, good morning, GDA people. This is Patrick White from the Vulcan Treasure Society. And I just have a little story here, true story. It happened a few nights ago. You know, there were a lot of things going on in my mind after my my buddy Xavier's funeral and my, my trip to Iowa where I saw my family, you know, that I might not ever see again. So I was in a different frame of mind. So anyhow, I'm, I'm getting uh, ready for bed after a hard night of playing Overwatch and Dead Space 3 with my new headphones. And I have eight birds. You'll probably hear them screaming that I need to put to bed every night in their special little bird huts. <clears throat> and uh, and I put them in the bedroom, which is always dark because the light has never worked in there. And I don't want it to work in there. I want it to be dark in there because I it's sometimes like to sleep in the daytime. And, the, and it keeps it cool in there. So uh, even in the daytime, it's too dark to see around without the help of uh, these little LED lights that I keep around the house. They're, they're very bright and very useful. So anyhow, I'm moving the birds into the room and, and going to going to bed, and I'm reaching for the light that I keep on the corner of the bed when the strangest thing happened. I could actually see. I could see because there was an actual light, like it was on my head, you know, and wherever I turned, you know, I could uh, I could see it wasn't real bright or anything, but it was like the light was breathing. It was getting dimmer and brighter, and it was kind of changing hues, and it was just so eerie, and I thought, there's no way this could be happening. So I stood there in the dark for a couple of minutes trying to, uh, to make sense of this, <clears throat> and the first thing that popped into my mind is that it had to be some kind of an angel was there in the room, you know, and that's just the way that I think. So <clears throat> I, I stayed there to make sure I wasn't hallucinating, and I wasn't because everywhere I turned, I could I could. So we kind of lost his audio there, but um, kind of the angel things. Have you ever heard something like that before? No, but my voice recognition program was going off. Uh, <laughs> I have a, a program um, that I had created just for me, actually, for the laptop. <laughs> it, you can take audio and it picks up any, what do you call it, extra voices along the way. Really? And there was something that was picked up. I'll have to edit it tomorrow, you know, to where you can actually hear it. In the background um, of his stuff? When he was talking, he said something about, you know, it was breaking up on my end, but he said something about a bird and there was a voice that said, I'm not a bird. And <laughs> he was describing something he was hearing. Really? Well, so, we're definitely going to have to check that out. Uh, Patrick, I know you're listening right now. We're going to find out exactly what that says, and we're going to send that to you. 
Um, you know what the weird thing was? I thought I heard something there as well. Um, I don't know. I can't really skip to it, but uh... well, what I have, I have audio, but it types text at the same time. So I sometimes um, in EVP or ghost hunting, voices are not audible. Yeah, which means I, humans I, can't hear yeah. it. But my my program will actually type out the text. It thinks it's hearing. So whatever he was talking about, it was breaking up so hard on my end. I'm not, real, not really sure, but the text says I'm not a bird in the middle, in the same time he was speaking. So I find that very interesting in the way of haunting. That is fantastic. You know, that's a, that's a weird thing because, um, you know, I, I thought I heard that as well. But um, as far as angels go, um, my great, my grandmother's, aunt so that would be my great great aunt mm-hmm. uh she actually became a nun because an angel appeared to her while she was sleeping uh which is a kind of weird thing uh her name was sister Catherine, and um she became a nun because while she was sleeping an angel appeared to her and told her that she needed to become a nun uh in the church and she actually did from that day on she went and signed up so well, that, that, that brings me to a funny story now that you brought that up. I went to Ireland uh, to be with our friend, Barry Fitzgerald. Yeah. He, he had the TV show for the rest of you, Ghost Hunters International. Mm-hmm. I stayed with it at his home for two weeks while I went to an event with him there in Ireland. And it was the, the event was the Belfast Jail. Now, the Belfast Jail was where they believed the, it's thought that in the 60s somewhere, the British... Uh, interrogated the Irish who lived there, the terrorists, whatever the case was going on. They used that place for interrogations. <clears throat> and so that's what the whole hunt was about, is the people that were killed there, if any were. Uh, that's what the whole ghost hunt was about. Well, you know me and children. <laughs> I have something that a lot of people call touch clairvoyance. Really? I don't have a name for it. You can, <clears throat> That's where you can touch an object or a wall of a of any a wall inside of a house or a castle, whatever the case may be, or an object, and I can pretty much know what's going on. Yeah, I've I've heard about that. Yeah, I can't explain it. I don't even try. <laughs> it gets too complex. I can't explain it. But I went I went to his event, and he was telling the story about the to me when we arrived in the limo and in front of the building, and I looked up. It was like five stories tall, and I. Looked over at Barry. After we walk in, I was holding the rail and I was touching the walls. He said, "What are you doing?" I said, "I'm just getting a feel for the place." I said, "Are you sure this is what you think it is?" He says, "What do you mean?" I said, "This is a children's home, a children's hospital. Certainly, as I go higher, it's definitely children were in this building." Oh no, this was uh, the Belfast jail. Blah blah blah. And later on, we learned that it was indeed a children's hospital in the 1800s. So that's, you know, <laughs> I feel things. And as the night went on, we learned it was a lot of children were in there as far as the giggling and all the things that happened at the time. Oh, that's crazy. And the Belfast Jail uh, Ghost Hunt was a charity event. Yeah. So I like to say I have my army of children. When I lived in the hospital, <clears throat> I had a, mostly all my little friends died. That I, so I quit making friends after a while, after being in there. And, you know, year after year, you quit communicating with people, you quit communicating with anyone. And 
I was quickly pulled out of it by a doctor who just explained everything to me. And I said, can you explain them still walking around? What? <laughs> I really said this. I said, you would put a sheet over their head and roll them out at 3 a.m. I, I was awake. And you would roll them out, and guess what? They would walk back into the room. Were you aware of that? That's wow. why I quit talking to people. And how old were you? It. At the time, I, I, I was seven years old. Oh, wow. And I couldn't understand what I was seeing. I mean, how could you roll out my good friend with a blanket over his head, you know, same age, roll him out of the room of the children's hospital I was living in, and then that child walks back into the room and gets back into the bed. You know, and I would see this stuff. Yeah. And they would, they, of course, were friends. They would look at me and smile and just vanish. It got to the point I quit talking to people for a long, long time. So you've been basically a medium your whole life. I, You know, I never found a, a word for it. I never, some people call it touch clairvoyance. Some people, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if ESP is real or any of that is real, but I know what happened to me and I know what, what I can do now. Yeah. Um, now I have delivered over 60 million toys. Even Guinness has recognized that my hand to the child's hand in hospitals nowadays. And I've done that for the last 35 years to give you an idea. I like to watch children smile through the pain because at that time we didn't have children, you know, in the sixties, we didn't have children psychologists. We just had to deal with it. And doctors and nurses at that time were just trying to keep everybody alive. Yeah. And I think where I wanted to create the superhero is when a man with a cape, which I thought was really funny now, walked into my room and gave me a toy. And his name turned out to be Evil Knievel. Yeah. I didn't know it at the time. I didn't have a clue who the guy was. But I decided that's what the kids need. They need a real life living superhero. That's where it all started. And now I'm recognized by all world books. I got the Living Heroes Award from Ripley's Believe It or Not and Guinnesses. Oh, wow. Which really makes me feel good for all the work I've done. You should. You should feel great. It's, but I, it's I call God's it, work, I, you know? I call it my army of love, my army of, of angels. There you go. So and that's see, all I can, that's the only way I can explain it now when I'm walking to a hospital. And that's one of the things that I try and do here. Uh, I'm working with the movie theaters. We're hopefully going to make this official, actually. Um, uh, I do something called Jedi's for Kids. And. Mm -hmm. uh, I dress as Obi-Wan Kenobi, and I actually go to the premieres and everything else, and uh, we're hoping to actually start raising money for the children's home here in town um, so that they can actually come and enjoy the movies and everything else, and then I can bring presents to them during the holiday season, uh, for, especially for the ones who don't have anything. And then I just come in costume and, and uh, hopefully uh, maybe put a couple smiles on their faces and raise their hopes just a little bit more. Well, that's why I created the Captain Rob pirate outfit. Oh, there you <laughs> I go. put together a complete pirate outfit. And my friends have helped me for online, and I put together a complete pirate outfit. And the kids, they seem to know who I am before I even walk up to a hospital nowadays. <laughs> Captain Rob is coming. They know I'm bringing toys. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic. By the way, that's one of my requirements. If I ever come to visit you, a hospital's got to be ready to accept toys. Oh, I got That's it right here in town. <clears throat> I do not go to any country or, <clears throat> or visit any friend unless, you know, a hospital is sending by with kids. Yeah, we definitely, we, we have two hospitals in town and we got a children's home, an orphanage here in town as well. So uh, they're more than happy to take anything. 
<laughs> well, you'll get an idea. I've, I've been to Bosnia during the war delivering toys. I've been to Iraq and Afghanistan delivering toys. I've been all the way. I go into warring countries delivering toys. I just like to see children smile through the pain. And I did also, the same thing in Bosnia. That's crazy. I was. I did. I had something called Project Sena that I was running in uh, Bosnia when I was there in '96, I think. Mm-hmm. And people throughout the United States would send me, you know, toys from the like dollar store. And every time I went into town, so I just sit on the back of the uh, my 113 armored personnel carrier and just hand out toys to the children. Well, I was just a civilian, so that's where I got the reputation as crazy, Rob. Because <laughs> at the time I was there, they actually started shelling Sarajevo. Oh. And so I would come out of one of the basements. I mean, they just destroyed the city absolutely. When I was yeah. there, I came out of the basement and went directly to the hospital, started delivering toys again. Yeah, see. Yeah. And that's where they got. I got the reputation as being crazy. I just, you got to have faith in what you do. And I have faith in the kids, and I don't think I'm going to be hurt because I'm there for a purpose. And so far, it's served me right. Yeah. See, in uh, Bosnia, we were in uh, Mount Vest. I was up north, and then uh, Kosovo, I kept the Project Santa going as well. And we were in the Jelani area, so mm-hmm. yeah. But it was a great thing. I loved, I uh, loved uh, maybe being a little bit of a light in the darkness for the kids that were out there. Well, I tried. I went through Mostar, and you know where that is, Mostar and Sarajevo. Oh yeah. And I just traveled all the little towns as well on all sides, not on one side. Yeah, in Bosnia, I was up near Tuzla. So. Mm-hmm. I, I remember our truck convoy. I had three trucks full of toys, and they would come up. You know, we'd be stopped by two army tanks in the middle of the road, and they're like. Whose side are you on? I said, I'm on your side. You want a toy? Go grab them. And what would a soldier do with a toy? <laughs> but they did. They would take little stuffed animals. Who knows what for or why? But they would take what they wanted to, and I wanted them to. Yeah, that's fantastic. I was bringing the toys for people, so, you know. Exactly. I literally went on all sides. I put the Red Cross on the, and the Red Crescent on the truck and just went on every side. Oh, I'm not on any particular side. I'm on your side. <laughs> exactly. You're, you're on that's everybody's it. side. That's it. And, uh, and, you know, I love doing that. And, and I've never stopped doing it. I mean, I've been doing this my whole life. And that's one of my things. I, I love metal detecting, but, you know, kids come first always. 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 So I travel. So you and I that's are. That's what all my, all my world records are about that subject. So I think you and I are on the same, same page on that one. <laughs> I think we're going to have a good time when I show up. <laughs> the kids are the future. The kids are the future. We need to oh, treat yeah. them right so that they'll treat everyone else right. All right, so we got one more. We got one more little ghost story, and then we're coming to the end of the show for the day. But uh, this is this is Siren Kimmy. Oh, by the way, Siren Kimmy wants to give you a great big shout out because she knows you. I don't know if you know who she is. Absolutely, of course right. I do. Okay, <laughs> yes. uh, she wanted me to give you a great big shout out. So here's Siren Kimmy. Hey everyone, Siren Kimmy here. I have two scary stories of metal detecting. Uh, the first one, I was out door knocking, and I came up to a house. It was a, an amazing old, old house, and I thought it was going to be perfect. Huh. And uh, I knocked on the door, and lo and behold, the gentleman comes out, and he says, well, you know, um, I'd be willing to let you try, but I first need to check with my wife because she says that metal detecting on this property stirs up the spirits. Um, apparently he had a metal detector in the past and he had to give it away because he had tried metal detecting a couple times on the property and he started to be haunted heavily by the spirits within the home. So needless to say, I did not get permission at that property 
and um, we left him there with his spirits. <laughs> so that is the first scary story. The second one is um, I was metal detecting on a friend's property, a very, very large plat of land with woods and uh, old home sites and a big farm field. And I decided to venture into the woods, and there's a, a cemetery in the woods. I do not dig cemeteries, so don't freak out on me, but I walked <laughs> near the outskirts of the cemetery, and as I got closer to the cemetery, my metal detector went dead. I thought, oh, maybe the batteries are gone. So I started walking away from the cemetery, and my batteries came back to life. That was odd, so I kept metal detecting, got a little bit closer to the cemetery, and again, it went flat. Um, I tried this a couple more times, and then I realized that I was pretty much being told to stay away from the cemetery. <laughs> <laughs> the spirits were not interested in having me close at all, and so I gave them their wish, and I went on my way. So those are my well, it looks like that was the end of her story. It looks like the the spirits followed her back home. <laughs> well, actually, she has it quite backwards. Um, as I my experience has been, and with other ghost hunters, can you hear me okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're my in. experience has been they they drain the energy from batteries when they try to um, make themselves yeah either make themselves visible or to communicate. Right, they need that energy, and I think that was more. She's got it backwards. I think that was more of a welcome than a go away. Yeah, and I think if she had probably stayed a little bit longer, tried to get some kind of recording equipment, she might have actually had something, uh, you know, somebody trying to say something to them. That's right. And I always recommend people to return with a lot of batteries. Just keep it going. (laughs) Well, uh, Captain Robert, uh, what can we see you? What do you got coming up in the near future? Now, obviously, I'm going to be keeping our guys up to date with everything you're doing from this point on. But what do you got coming up in the near future? Well, I'm with my uh, local team, which is uh, Alex Smith and Adia, a lady. Mm-hmm. And we are after the Spanish treasure. So we're hitting all the Spanish treasure fields. Out here, there was the 80-year war. Oh, jeez. So we're searching. There's a treasure missing, and we're after it, a gold treasure. And there's a silver treasure as well. So we're finding a lot of coins from the Spanish, a lot of coins, silver coins in general, but we're after that treasure. Eventually we'll come across it, I think. Yeah, I think you you might. I mean, you got the drive and the will. You, I think you might be able to pull that one off. Uh, and right you, now I'm planning uh, my European, my second European tour. I love to travel around countries of Europe. So, Well, like I said, uh, anytime you come around to Germany, just come visit me. We'll go hit up some places ourselves. We'll have to arrange that. It sounds like a blast. Yes, it will be. Plus, i got a spare guest room. You can come stay and crash here as much as you want. Okay. You mentioned my buddy. Now, my buddy over in, in Colorado. Uh, oh, yeah. Nugget, yeah. Nugget Brain. Hey. That's let, it. Let's listen to what he has to say. Lane Peterson. I don't hear what he's got going on. Hey, this is Nugget Brain in the United States. Colorado, to be exact. Captain Rob. He's going to be sailing his jet over to the United States later on this year. Please watch the show. Listen to the show. We will be doing some ghost mine tours. we got some mines that we believe there's some ghosts in. Hopefully we can capture them and share them with everybody out there. 
And uh, Captain Rob probably will be doing another world's record. He needs another one, so we're going to be out here in Colorado. <laughs> you could follow us on Facebook, and you could also follow us at Watts, www.ats.org in the United States, Worldwide Association of Treasure Seekers. Come and watch us and listen for more. Thank you. This is Nugget Brain signing out in Colorado. Bye. Now that sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun. You're going to be he, going on a, a ghost mine tour. He, oh, he he is a lot of fun. I, I did that when I was in America last time, and I did it. I like I said, I traveled. Uh, I had so many requests. I actually went to all 48 states <laughs> of the 50. Uh, visiting ghost mines and metal detecting the whole way across, and I did quite well. I'm looking forward to this one because the kids want to break a world record, and I'm right there. Oh, fantastic. I always tell people, I'll break a world record whenever you want me to. You just have to, you know, Can arrange we get, it. We, we <laughs> got the a, kids ready. We got a clue of what the world record is going to be? No. Okay. <laughs> I, I know exactly what it's going to be, but I, we're not going to say a word. <laughs> oh, that's fine. That's fine. No, I understand. I understand. We got to we got to make everybody show up. So you guys make sure you get out there, go to uh, the website and check them out and find out exactly where it's going to be. Now the uh, the website that he was just uh, talking about is www.ats. Dot org. So make sure you go there and check out exactly where it's going to be. That's www.at, excuse me, www.ats.org. So www.ws.org. Wow, now, that's a lot of news. Before we run away, <coughs> I was, excuse me, I was just uh, last week detecting with George and Ringy at a big event. Oh, yeah. The Diggers. Yeah. And had a great time there. This weekend, I have another big tournament coming up. And that'll be the end of my tournaments, and then I start traveling countries again. Oh, fantastic. So, just to let folks know. <laughs> fantastic. Yeah, KG and Ring are friends of ours. If you ever run into them, just tell them hi for us. In fact, I run into them oh, once or twice a year, actually. Really? Last year, I ran into them three different times. Yeah. I had just missed them when I was at the Garrett factory in every, Texas. Every time they get over here to Germany, I just can't make it out to go meet them. It's work, 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 and it's just driving me crazy. Now, if you folks are curious, I've got, let's see, George, King George, falling into a canal video sitting in the <laughs> Treasure Masters group. If you guys have never seen him fall into a canal, that's a good one. I also have Ringy. I filmed him on a live dig where he found a... a Hollandia coin, which is one of the first uh, copper coins with the name Holland on it. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, he actually found that one, and I filmed. I actually filmed him digging that up. That was quite fun. Yeah, yeah, so, I did actually watch that one. And for those of you, ghost ships are real. And if you want to see me sailing ships in live videos, I recommend you go to the Ghost Ship Hunters Treasure Quest. That's my group, and you can click videos or you can. Click photos, and you can find lots and lots of spooky images. Yeah, absolutely. We and, haven't even gotten into the subject of ghost ships yet or say We'll no. have to do that for the next one. Yeah, we're going to – well, this is the good news. The good news is that Captain Rob's going to be coming in quite a bit, hopefully over the next uh, next years. And uh, uh, 
he and I are going to be hopefully hitting each other up and metal detecting each other's area. But he's going to be coming in onto the show. We're going to bring him in, hopefully, as not just a guest, but we'll try and talk him into actually coming in as GDA members as well. Oh, that'd be a blast. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, um, make sure you guys check out www.ats.org for the event that's going to be coming up in Colorado. Um, and uh, you can also look up Treasure Masters and the Ghost, what is it, the Ghost Treasure... Ghost Ship Hunters Treasure Quest. That's it, Ghost Ship Hunters Treasure Quest. <laughs> and then there's also uh, Captain Rob's History on Facebook as well. And one group I didn't mention, if you want to see how things are made from things you find, what people, some people call trash in the field, uh-huh. or coins or what have you, I have a group called Handmade. Really? And it's some of the best artists in the world in the way of metal detecting finds are sitting there. That's absolutely You're going to be amazed at that group. That's absolutely great. And uh, that's going to bring us to the end of the show. Uh, we have got a really long show today, uh, almost an hour and a half worth of show today. Uh, so everybody's getting their dollars worth on the free podcast this week. So... <laughs> <laughs> All right. I truly so, enjoyed this. I truly enjoyed this. Uh, this has actually been a really good show. A lot of people have been saying good things. And for all of us at Global Detection Adventures, Dave and Mike out on their field finding some history, and me in rainy Germany, we're going to see you out on the fields. Let's dig it up, y'all. Each of us has a purpose. We are destined to do something meaningful not only to support our loved ones, but to positively impact our communities throughout the country. What do you think a private Christian education looks like? Grand Canyon University offers over 175 high-quality online programs across nine colleges. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu.